Hi, this is Ned Siegfried from Siegfried & Jensen. As proud sponsors of BeliefCast, we hope you are inspired by Todd's weekly podcasts, which contain so many courageous stories of recovery and personal growth. Remember, it's not what happened in the past that matters, it's what happens in the future. We invite you all to work hard and be optimistic about your future. Enjoy today's podcast. Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Inspires Belief Cast. Thank you for tuning in week after week. You guys are fantastic. I can't thank you enough for the support and for how many people are listening to this. It just kind of blows my mind. But I just want you to know how much I appreciate this. I'd like to thank our sponsors, uh, Siegfried and Jensen. Thank you so much for believing in me. Wasatch Recovery. Um, Veracity Networks and iHill Institute. You guys are just the best. Um, you guys have really just put your belief into me and what we're doing here, and we're helping so many people because of you guys. So thank you for supporting this. And then just a thank you to everyone that tunes into this. Uh, once again, you guys are fantastic. Uh, we have an amazing guest on today. He's not just an amazing person, but he's also a very good friend of mine, uh, Dave Lindsay. Dave, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. It's, yeah. it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, man. I it's... can't believe I'm on your podcast. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, you, you You know, I, I'm glad that you are on it as well. I've always looked up to you, Dave. Um, you you know, not only are you good at what you do, but you're just a good example to me of the way you, you know, family man and, you know, a man of faith and things like that. I really always looked up to that. Basketball, maybe we'll, <laughs> we'll, we'll debate, you know. I'm but, not uh, as good as you at basketball. <laughs> yeah, I do yeah. like to play, but I, I, I still, I still, I'm chasing you around on the court. Way I don't too know much. about that. No, you're, you're good, man. But it's, but it's good to have you on. And, and I've known Dave for years and years and his family as well. And he's got a, a fantastic family and just a good person in the community and what he does. And so a little background on Dave. He was a graduate of the University of Utah and is the president of Avalanche Studios, a film and video production company based in Salt Lake City. He's produced and directed hundreds and hundreds of local, regional, and national television commercials, business-related media projects, and the list goes on. He's done several documentaries. Um, he's one of the past winners of Utah Business Magazine's Top 40 Under 40, which Again, that that is saying something because that's not not everyone can get that. That was back when I was under forty. Yeah, yeah, he's forty three now. I'm, a little, like I'm just barely over that. <laughs> yeah, um, you've been honored by the Salt Lake Chamber as a Chamber Champion. I mean, I know you've done a lot of work in that area. I've been to some of your events uh, in in the past. Uh, he's married to his beautiful wife Heidi, and they're the proud parents of two girls and two boys, and they live in Sandy. But more importantly, one of the things we want to talk about today is Dave's done an amazing, uh, an amazing project slash documentary called Dog Valley. Um, this is uh, an important LGBTQ themed film um, that took place back in the 19, 1988. It's a kidnap. It's about the kidnapping and torture and rape of a, and a murder of a gay college student, Gordon Church, and it, it was set in Southern Utah where this all happened. Um, it was one of the most brutal hate crimes in the United States at the time, probably still to this day. And I like uh, this. This documentary is fantastic. I got the chance to to, to watch it. My wife's watched it because um, we know Dave. <laughs> we we got a little, just a little sneak preview of this. And it's, I can't tell you when I watched this, it was so well done. And I was telling you this off the air, like I was just impressed. Not that I don't, everything you do is top notch, but man, I, I was really captivated by the, you know this documentary that you did 
Thank you. Yeah, it's, it's a fascinating story. It's, it's a hard story to hear about because just the brutality of the, the crime itself. But it is a fascinating story that has uh, a lot of interest uh, from a lot of people because it's a true crime documentary. But also yeah. it has a lot of crazy things that happen in the story, not just in the, the, you know, the, the day of the crime, but also to the, the people who were convicted of the crime later. There's some crazy things happen to them in their lives. And there's just a lot of twists and turns and crazy stuff that happened around this whole event. And so it's a, it's a documentary about that. And, and when we first started making this documentary, um, I, I was a little worried about it, wondering what is what good is going to come out of us telling this story? And, mm-hmm. and we, we did come into some interviews later in the, in the process that kind of took care of that, where there's some, there's some beautiful moments in this film which really are touching yeah. and tender from surprising sources and so even though the crime is horrible and it's it's a horrible thing that happened to to gordon church um i think when you hear the reactions from some of the people who are involved in this case and when you watch the documentary you'll be surprised at how how tender and how touching some moments are in this film well i'm excited to talk about this and and this is going to be the big part of our conversation but i'd also like to have people who are listening to this that may not know you you know, get to know you a little bit, Dave, and kind of a little background on you. So tell us a little bit about where you grew up. Tell us about your family and maybe some maybe some childhood things that uh, that you've learned and kind of grew through. Sure. Well, well, I grew up here in Salt Lake City, Utah. I went to Brighton High School, same high school as you. Graduated just a little bit before you. But um, so I grew up, in fact, not far from Wasatch Recovery, from the the site of this podcast. So my parents, <laughs> yeah. my mom still lives in the house just down the street at the mouth of Big Cottonwood yeah, Canyon. Just right there, yeah. Just like I could probably throw a rock from here and hit my, <laughs> my parents' house. Yeah. And uh, my mom's still there today. So I live, grew, grew up right here. I loved li- growing up in Utah right here at the mouth of Big Cottonwood Canyon as a kid, um, playing with all of our childhood friends. You probably know some of these guys, you know, Russ yeah. George and oh, yeah. Mike Nuttle and <laughs> I don't know, I should be throwing names out, but... Uh, all the guys from Brighton High School back in the day, the guys who Wally Davis is, you know, grew oh, up yeah. across the street from me. We um, all love Wally. Yeah, Wally, man. He was a class clown and everything. Um, <laughs> yes. Great guy. Yeah. But yeah, just having fun playing in the hills, going up the canyon, fishing, hiking, goofing around, playing lots of basketball, trying to figure life out as a kid. It was it was a great place to grow up. So. Yeah, you know, and I can relate with that because I, I grew up just a little further down the road from you, from where you grew up. And yeah, it was just a good, good time in life. You know, it seems like we're always outside. You know, maybe you don't see that so much today. It's kind of interesting, but it, you know, it just seemed like we're always outside doing something fun. Yeah, yeah. My parents didn't have a very tight leash on us, so they they would just uh, go outside and play. And so that meant, <laughs> okay, I'm gonna go out, and I'd be out all day, and I, not once would my parents ever come out to one ask where I was. And I, I remember having some friends who their parents would yell, "Hey, yeah. hey, Bill Bob, come home!" There, I, I had a neighbor <laughs> named Bill Bob, so. Uh, I remember one. Why are their parents yelling at them to come home? I don't have to go home, but yeah. So my parents just let us roam, and that was great. But I probably got in trouble a few times for doing a couple things that I probably shouldn't have. But yeah, uh, generally I was a pretty good kid. Well, yeah, you're a good kid for sure. And I think w- people who know you, including myself, like you love to have fun. You love to kind of joke around at times too. And was was that kind of how you were as a kid as well? Um. I was pretty shy as a kid, honestly. I think my, mm. my family has a knack for being pretty funny and crazy within our house. So I don't think I'm <laughs> the funniest one in my family. And I don't really, okay. I don't really think I'm that funny, but 
actually, actually, I do think I'm pretty funny, but other people don't <laughs> really think I'm that funny. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I laugh a lot more at my jokes, and and my wife, when I met Heidi, when you know my wife, she she yeah. thought I was funny for about the first three months that we dated, just enough to kind of get her interested. <laughs> and now she's just like, oh my gosh, I've heard all this guy's jokes. I'm done with your jokes. Right. I'm never gonna laugh. It, so yeah. today, if I can get her to laugh, I, it really. It, the other day, I, I told the joke. She okay. actually laughed, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, like, I got that it. must have been a dang good joke!" Because after all these years we've been married, she finally laughed at something again. Yeah. I was like, "Okay, I still got some game a little bit." <laughs> right. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, comedy's really not my thing. But <laughs> yeah. But uh, what were with, some? Let me ask you. So, just what was maybe a lesson or two that you've learned as a child that you maybe kind of help incorporate what you do today as not only just as a father, but you know, even being a producer and a filmmaker? Hmm, that's a good question. Um, well, as a child, I, uh, I'm i going to have to think about this one. That's uh, that's a really deep question. Yeah. I, I don't think I was very, uh, I wasn't, I wasn't learning a lot of stuff as a kid, <laughs> to be honest. Let, let me tell you, my, my, um, I come from a family that was pretty academic. My mom was a teacher. My older brother was uh, very, you know, he's 4.0 student mm -hmm. all through Brighton, uh, honor roll. Um, he went to BYU, got a, you know, PhD in chemical engineering, was a valedictorian, uh, Sterling scholar, all that kind of academic stuff. And some of my siblings are like that as well. And in fact, when I was, but when I was a, uh, my older brother, when he was in elementary school, my parents said, you know, this kid's really smart. Let's skip him up a grade. So they moved him up a grade. Oh, really? And then when I came along, they said, well, David's probably smart, too. Let's let's test him out and see if he can skip grades. So when I was in second grade, they tested me out. And me and uh, another kid in my neighborhood, Craig Perry, who also went to Brighton. Oh, yeah, no, Craig. Uh, Craig, we, we tested out, and we they said, I guess they're smart enough. Let's skip those kids up. <laughs> So Craig really was smart. I, I don't know how I passed the test, but Craig went on. He was also a Sterling Scholar 4.0 Honor Society, went to Harvard, got a law degree. He's a super smart guy. And then there's me. I was like, how did, how did I get thrown in this group of smart people? Because I'm definitely not in that group of smart people. So right. somehow coming back to the original question, <laughs> uh, I didn't really learn that much as a kid because I kind of like once I went, got into high school, I wasn't really studying much. Yeah. I wasn't pursuing that academic side of things. Um, it wasn't really till after I had, um, so I graduated from high school when I was 16 because I was, um, they skipped me up one grade. And plus I had a September birthday, so it was right on the border of oh, when, when a kid starts. So, huh. so all through high school, I was, you know, all th ever since third grade, I was two years behind everybody in my class. So oh, I kind of wow. didn't really fit in because of that. Um, okay. um, and so it was kind of, it was a little bit of a struggle getting through high school and really feeling like. I can ex I can excel as a student against kids who are two years older than me and way smarter than me, so I didn't really. But it wasn't until I graduated from high school, went to the U for two years, then I then I went on a mission, uh, and came back, and then I really started kind of finding my groove and figuring yeah. out how to, you know, after the mission, you learn a lot of stuff when you go on a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints. So I learned a lot, grew a little bit, and that's when I re really kind of figured out. Hey, I can I can study and I can get an A in college, and right. I can learn things, and so that's kind of when I felt like <laughs> yeah I was kind of coming into my own after at that point. No, that's awesome. You know, so obviously, you know, you're very passionate about what you do for a living. You know, um, when did that happen? Like, did you know it as a young kid 
that you had this, you know, maybe a desire to be in film or producing film or where did that come from and when did it start? Uh, a lot of people, a lot of people I know who are in the film industry had had that passion when they were young. They knew mm-hmm. when they were a kid they wanted to right. make movies. They, they would they would play with cameras. That wasn't me. I, I was I had no idea I was going to end up okay. in, in anywhere near the film industry. The closest memory I have that is somewhat close to TV or film was when I was eight years old. There was this old show back in Utah. The local TV station called Hotel Balderdash, oh, yeah. and it was a morning. It was like Channel Four. They had like it was like a kids' show. It was oh on like God. from six in the morning till eight in the morning, and it basically they played cartoons. But they had these two guys that were the hosts of it. They just did it in the studio in a warehouse out in West Side of Salt Lake, and and they were the hosts of this show. And they were goofy. One of there was Harvey and Cannonball were the two hosts. Harvey and, and Cannonball and I Harvey. Really remember that. One of the well, I just remember. I don't know why I remember, but but our Cub Scout group went down there, and we were on that TV show. Okay. And every 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 group that came on the show. Um, they would have a competition, and if you won the competition, it was like you'd pick a door, and if the, you picked the right door with a the number, then you'd win the prize. And I picked the right door, and I won the prize. I won the Harvey bag, is what they called it. <laughs> it was a bag full of crappy gifts, but I was so happy that I won. Yeah. I was eight years old, and I'd been on a TV show, and I won it. And then they aired it the next day, and then I was kind of famous for about you know a day with right. my eight-year-old friends <laughs> uh, from being on a TV show, and. So that was my first taste of it, but it okay. wasn't until college when I really started thinking about it. Because I was, okay. I, um, when I was in high school and college, I was thinking, what am I going to do for my career? I have no idea. My dad's in marketing, and maybe I do business. I don't know. What does that mean? Accounting. So I took some accounting right. classes and business classes, and then I was at yeah. the U taking some um, math and uh, what was it? Economics and some not trigonometry. Uh, what's the statistics? It was a statistics class. Yeah. I remember That's a I remember one. taking statistics and being so miserable thinking <laughs> if I have to do numbers and figuring out the median and the mean if I have to do this all day <laughs> I don't know how I and I was already like 2 years into college and I was like I I can't do business I can't do this I've got to yeah. do something else and I thought well what do I like and all I could think of was sports yeah. I like watching sports I like talking about sports that's all. That's all what I want to do, and so I just switched my. I thought, well, what job does that? And I was, well, sportscaster. You know, you'd be. Yeah. I'll, I'll be the guy on the news talking about sports. So yeah. So I switched my career to that, or my 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 uh, major at the U to that yeah. to broadcast journalism, and I started taking courses in that, and so I got a degree in broadcast journalism from the U, thinking I was going to be the next sports guy on ESPN. And that's where I kind of got my, as part of that program, you go out and you interview people, you film stuff, you mm. do interviews, you're the host, you know, you're dealing with TV news stories and, and you, you know, you get cameras and you go film things and you edit it together and as part of the show. And so that's what we did and at the U. And so I dabbled in that a little bit and that's kind of where my first uh, interest got. And then, then right after I graduated from college, I was hoping to get hired by ESPN immediately and be their main guy on SportsCenter, but that didn't happen. Right. <laughs> uh, and, and we had just done an internship for a company um, making a video as part of an internship, and, and, and I was still trying to figure out where I was going to go with this and, and how I was going to make a career. And then my wife's uncle was asking me at this time, what are you doing with your life? And I said, well, I don't know. I'm just trying to figure it out. I just made a video for a guy. He said, well, you made a video. Do you think you could make a video for my company? And so, so that little question by my uncle got me thinking, well, yeah, I could. I just made one, so I'm an expert at making videos. Yeah, I can do it. So, yeah, I could do it. So I 
told my wife, I'm going to start a company making videos for companies. And she's like, what? And so she thought I was a little crazy, but she was supportive. And so I started a, a little production company and just myself renting equipment. And, um, you know, it was a struggle for the first few years. But oh, yeah. um, we got to the point after three years where I could quit my part-time job. She could quit all of her other jobs. And we were kind of living off of it. So that's yeah. kind of the gist of how I got into all from a question can you do a video for me yeah and I that's said, cool yeah and I didn't really know how but I believed that I could do it you know? yeah and how many years now has that been how, uh, it's been how, over 25 years since wow. right after I graduated from college you know that's so amazing. it's been over 25 years we we're still plugging along you know we're still in it's business amazing. well there's probably I mean you've done so many like commercials and documentaries and movies and all these you know business videos and training videos I'm sure people listening to this have probably seen uh, your work just didn't realize maybe it came from you but you you know you've even done a video for me you know that which has been the lemonade stand yeah which yeah, was I fantastic that. i still get people constantly um telling me oh i saw that lemonade that was the coolest video and love your story but man i was so well done man it's i just i i watch it from time to time and that was several years ago and man you just you really do excellent work and you can tell you love what you do yeah, thanks. Well, I still have a special place in my heart for kids at Lemonade Stands now because of you. <laughs> so every time I see a Lemonade Stand, I like I try to pull over and give them all the money I have in my in my ashtray of Dude, my car. that's awesome. I, I do, and I tell yeah. my kids that, and my kids are always like, oh my gosh, we have to pull over again, Dad. <laughs> so yeah, it's it's been great. It is a pretty cool thing. I did yeah. it just the other day as I was coming home from, from here. Uh, there was these kids right by my house on the street corner selling like they were selling like candy bars and stuff and yeah and I gave them all that I had and they were just freaking out and I'm like man this is the coolest thing yep. you know just how that can just change your whole perspective on life and stuff yeah. but the funniest one was a kid in my neighborhood who I pulled over they had a sign it looked like they were selling something so I oh a lemonade sign I pulled over and I was like wait a second where's the lemonade and then they were holding up a sign and it said dancing show Are and you I serious? was like. <laughs> okay, and I had to ask him, okay, I'm going to give you some money, but what exactly, do you don't have any cookies or brownies or lemonade? And they're like, no, we're doing a dancing show. And so these are like eight-year-old kids. It was a boy and his sister, and uh -huh. they were just they were on my street. And 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 then I said, okay, well, let's see what you got. And they, put, they had a boom box, they played no some way. music, and they did a little dance <laughs> for about a minute, and I was like, awesome. Yeah. Dude, I was so thirsty. Cool. I wanted some lemonade, but it was great. I the kids are in, you know, they're uh, entrepreneurs, and they really are more power to them. So. Yeah. Well, no, thank you for sharing some some background on you. I really do want to get into this amazing project that you've done with Dog Valley. Why don't we just kind of start with we we you you mentioned what it was about a little bit in the beginning. If you want to add more to that now. But also, why did you want to do this? Like, why did you take this project on? And, and let's kind of start from there. Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people have asked me that. Um, throughout the course of our business at Avalanche Studios, we, you know, we, do, we do projects for hire. People hire us, they give us money, and we do the projects. And so we don't ultimately have total control over all the projects because someone's paying us to do other projects. Mm -hmm. uh, and so we always like to have a passion project on the side that we do have control over. So over the years, we've done a few documentaries that we have initiated and, and done because we're interested in doing those that subject. Like one of them is Alex Boyer's story. We did his yeah. kind of life story and we initiated that one and self-financed that and did that. Uh, and there's some others too, but um, so we had finished his story and some uh, other smaller ones and mm -hmm. then we didn't really have a passion project to do. 
and we were approached by Chad Anderson, who's one of the producers of this show and who appears in the show. And Chad came to us, and he had been referred to us by some other people in the okay. industry. So Chad Anderson is the key driving force behind this this documentary. Um, he's the one who um, found out about the crime. He had been researching gay hate crimes in the state of Utah. He found out about it, and then he was like, oh, my gosh. This, and he, as he got more into the story, he was like, this is crazy what yeah. has happened with in this story. Yeah. And he knew it. could. He, he wanted to write a book about it. That was his original plan. Oh, okay. And so he... Um, he had all this research and had all this um, documentation and he'd already interviewed a bunch of people for his book and then he started thinking about well maybe it's a documentary and so he was referred mm. to us so we'd never met him he comes to, walks into our studio and was like I got a documentary you want to talk about it and so he he told us okay. the story and we were fascinated with the story because I had vaguely heard of Michael Archuleta one of the you know one of the, the killers involved the killers, in this yeah. but I didn't know much about the story I kind of remember hearing about it but it happened back when I wasn't really paying attention to news you know 1988 right. i was you know just got back from a mission and yeah. looking for a wife and stuff i wasn't <laughs> right. worried too much about the news so i didn't really follow it yeah um but other people in in the you know a lot of gay men in salt lake city at that time were v following it very very closely to find yeah. out what was going to happen with this crime because it was such a horrible thing yeah such a horrible hate crime so chad brings it to us and tells us i've got this story and we're just blown away with the details of how crazy this is and he goes oh and by the way i've got all this documentation and i've got all found all the people involved and i've got all the court records from millard county sheriff's department and we've got access to this and access to that and i was like oh my gosh wow. you've already done all the pre-production for this film yeah and you're he was just so passionate about it. I was like, there's no way we could turn him down. And so um, we agreed to take it on and I said, you know what? We don't have funding for this. It costs a lot of money to make a, a full-on feature-length yeah. documentary. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of things involved that you don't realize. So we decided to to take it on, so we jumped in full bore with, uh, with Chad. Wow. That's awesome. You know, uh, you're right. That's no easy task to put together. I mean, it's an hour and a half, I think a little over an hour and a half yeah, yeah. long. Again, like I said in the beginning, very well done, very well thought out. Like what I loved is it just walks you through the story as you watch this and it really just paints the whole picture. At times you feel sick, at times you want to cry. And then there's times where there's these, you know, these moments where you just go, whoa, I like you mentioned in the beginning, there's these twists and turns that you didn't expect, and I want to get into some of those. And um, so, why don't we talk about as you're doing this and you're learning about it too, because you probably had to study it quite a bit. Tell us some of these things that you know you initially were starting to realize what was going on here with the documentary and you know the people involved. Um, are you talking about the crime itself? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Sorry, the crime itself. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the crime itself is pretty. Um, it's pretty gruesome what happened and so we had to be real careful because we did have full access to a lot of crime scene photos and mm. all, all autopsy photos and oh, just wow. some hardcore stuff that we had to look at to kind of sort through so it was pretty tough but basically the gist of the crime I'll just, I'll just kind of walk Please. through yeah. just a Please. quick overview yeah. of what, what, what started this whole thing so there was a, a young man named Gordon Church from Delta, Utah. He was going to college at Southern Utah University. At the time, I think it was called Southern Utah State College, SUSC, down in Cedar City. He was living with his grandma in a house down there, renting a room. Um, and he was about 20, I think he was around 28 years old at the time. And um, so he's a theater major at Southern Utah State College. And he, a couple of days before Thanksgiving, he was going to go meet some friends. And he um, 
goes to the Seven Eleven to buy a pack of cigarettes and and get a drink, and then he's then he meets a couple of guys who are in a, who are hanging out there, and these these the the people that he met were Lance Wood and Michael Archuleta, mm. who are who both from Utah, but they had both been um, recently in prison, and they were. I don't know if they were cellmates, but they knew each other in jail, and they had just gotten out at about the same time. And okay. so, so they had just been released, and they had just just barely been out of prison for about a month, and they were both living in Cedar City. And I think they were trying to figure out how they were going to get by, and they, I don't think they had jobs, they don't have any money. So I think they were going to looking for someone to rob, I think, is the original. Original. Is possibly one of the things we still, you'll have to watch the film to find out more details. But yeah. So they end up uh, engaging... Uh, you know, talking to um, to uh, Gordon, they they convince Gordon to let them get in his car and take him go for a ride, and things just went bad after that. That was kind of the beginning. They ended up uh, going up the canyon there near Cedar City, called uh, I think Cedar Canyon, I believe, mm-hmm. um, and that's where the first attack on him happened. They found out he was gay and. Um, attacked him once there then they did some more things to him and then they stuffed him in the trunk of his own car and drove up north they you know they were going to try to go up to i don't know where what they were thinking but they were going right. thinking they might go up to the salt lake city area and do something but then they ended up pulling over at the dog valley exit which is just south of fillmore and mm-hmm. that's where the, the they kind of finished him off and that's where the the bulk of the the horrible things happened so wow so, you know, as you're as you're going through this story, I mean, how did it affect you as you're learning about this? And, and you even mentioned you had to see some of these pictures that were really heavy to see. And how how are you? Was it affecting you? As just as a not only just as a producer, but as a a human being. Yeah, it was hard. Looking at the crime scene photos was tough. The autopsy photos were horrible. Um, it, those were just like quickly scanned through. I'm like, okay, I, I've seen that. I, we're never going to show that to anyone. Those are, you know, almost yeah. sacred. You don't want to, yeah. there. And so we've kind of eliminated those from any possibility sure. of showing. But it was, it's hard when you see, you have to kind of look at it like when you're looking at crime scene photos of a, of a body, you kind of have to just look at it like that's a prop. It, if you look at it like that's real, that's, it's, yeah. It's hard to absorb, so you kind of have to like change your mindset for a second to say that could have been my son, or that could have been my brother, or somebody. Yeah, you know, that's it's it's rough dealing with any kind of a murder. The the gruesome realities of what happened is just is painful. Yeah, well, you mentioned um, you know there was some some really kind of fascinating things that also kind of came about about all this. Will you kind of share some of those things with us and some of these big events and things that you learned as you you know, f- you know, produce this documentary? Well, one of the cool things that happened was we, we tried to get, we, we tried to get both, you know, all sides of the story to at least let everyone be represented in this film. We reached out to the church family. They had no interest in being part of it. It was, I think it was really, really hard for them. Yeah. Um, knowing, well, first of all, knowing that their son was gay, they're in a strong LDS family in Delta, Utah, small town, rural community. Yeah, and for the I've, parents, just, just trying to f- figure out how to deal with having a son come out as gay is, is hard enough. And then yeah. to find out that he was murdered because of that, it, it was really hard for them dealing with this and processing it. And so um, the family has just kind of chosen to not have to dig it all up again and talk about it, which we totally understand. And we respect that and have given them their you know privacy as far as 
not trying to make them, you know, trying to force them into participating in this story. But yeah. so, um, wow. I lost my train of thought. Where are we going? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, again, just like oh, you, okay. some know, of these, yeah. I, I know what I was going to talk about. Yeah. Okay. So, so, the, so the church family declined to participate. The Archuleta family, they are, um, this is Michael Archuleta, who's one of the people who committed the crime. Michael Archuleta had a rough life. Um, he's one of the perpetrators, probably the primary perpetrator of the crime. Um, his family have denied all media requests for anything over ever since this crime began. They never wanted to be interviewed. They never wanted to be on camera. They were not never on the news, even though they're they're the courthouse. All media requests, nothing. They're nothing. We're, we're we're not talking about this. Yeah. Um, but our producers reached out to the Archuleta family and Chad had had tracked them down and just said hey we're doing this project would you like to share your side of the story and and even though michael archuleta is in uh, prison on death row and draper at the prison there he legally can't talk to the media so even if he wanted to he can't right yeah so there's no chance of us getting him on camera um but his family um they said no too and we've been working on this for three years so the first couple of years we were working on this project project there's no no discussion with the Archuleta family. Finally, um, they softened and they decided, you know what, maybe we will talk to you guys. And so they allowed an interview. We went down to their home in Salem, Utah, wow. where they're from, yeah. and we interviewed Michael Archuleta's sister, Peggy, who was just a dear soul, and then um, Michael Archuleta's mother, Stella. And we talked to them and they were just so open. And they're great people, very, very wonderful people. And they've done the best they can. They adopted Michael, and they did the best they could with him yeah. with the challenges that he faced from being in foster care several times and being adopted and bounced around. But I think they took him in, and they loved him and did everything they could uh, to provide a good home for him. And they were so gracious and so wonderful. And I think that's one of the, the, the best moments that, for me, made this film the most uh, meaningful is the, the, the comments and the stories and the the love and the reaction that we got from the Archuleta family, the wow. family of the killer, which wow. which surprised me. I, yeah, it was unexpected. We didn't know where the where you know that this was going to happen, but it was so great that they were willing to talk to us and and be a key part of our documentary. Yeah, I'm sure that I mean that kind of surprises me too when you say that that they were yeah. Like you said, they had shut off all media up to this point. It wouldn't talk to anyone, and here they are talking to you guys. Yeah, that's and, amazing. And the, I mean, I'll, I'll, I mean, I guess I'll give a little spoiler, but, but Stella, so we interviewed Stella, who's like in her eighties yeah, and she was, you know, very sharp and alert and great and seemed healthy. And we did the interview with her and Peggy. And then two months after we did the interview, she passed away. Hmm. And so we felt like, man, we really snuck into her. Yeah. You know? Right. And, and it was just so great that she was able to, I think it was great for her also to talk about it and to share things that she's never shared with the media before and kind of get her her side of the story and their family's side of the story out. I think, I don't know, I just felt like that was a, a great thing for, well, for yeah, the documentary. And I'm glad you bring that up too because I think, you know, in my world, when people can talk about something as heavy as that is, it is, it's therapeutic and it feels good. And like you said, you know, her, her able to get some of these things off her chest and to share at least her perspective on it I'm sure that was so helpful for her and, you know, for the family to be able to talk about it. You yeah, know? yeah, I hope so. I hope that's what they, they felt. But I know I, I felt that way, at least from my, our experience of yeah. working with them. So um, 
So what what is like the whole purpose of this? You know, when you when someone, you know, who hasn't watched this yet and when it finally gets released and we'll talk about the release date and all that. Like, what do you want people to walk away from? So what, what's your goal? Like if someone watches this, like in your mind as the producer and, and the filmmaker, what what do you want people to walk away with? What's the maybe the end goal? Maybe you don't have one. I don't know. I was just wondering if you ever think of it in that way. Like, what what do you want people to walk away with this? Yeah, that's a good question. Because initially, when we took the project on, it was purely because the project sounded so interesting. Interesting, and I love mm-hmm. I love true crime documentaries to yeah. begin with. So me too. I love. I mean, I don't. I love love hearing the details of why somebody did something, especially when it's a murder and something cr- crazy crime. It's like, what what would drive them to do that? Why, yeah. how could a human being get to the point where they could do something, um, you know, commit a crime against another person? And what is it, you know, what, how can we as a society help prevent that, you know? Yeah. What is, what's going on in someone's head to the point where they're willing to do something to another person to end their life? And how can we stop that? And so that that's what always has always gotten me about okay. true crime kind of documentary things yeah and tv shows it's it's just it's such a different world that i can't understand and i kind of want to understand it to know yeah how we can prevent it and so that's kind of where why i agreed to take it on because i thought this is an interesting subject this is an interesting thing to me there's a lot of topics here that that people are interested in it's and it's not just the the true crime about the murder but there's a lot of other issues that are that people debate and talk about things like um, hate crimes. What is a hate crime? And do we need hate crime legislation? Yeah. Do we need to add on extra penalties for people for doing a hate crime versus just a regular crime? You know, that's a big debate among some people. And then there's things like capital punishment and the death penalty and um, even issues like um, adoption. How does that affect people? Um, there's a lot of things that have come up in this film that we've, yeah. we've touched on and that are kind of discussed a little bit that are, get your brain thinking about stuff and and that's kind of what documentaries are for you know you have a story you present things and then you hear uh an experience of what happened to people and then you watch the show and then you talk about it and then you debate and you learn and hopefully everyone is edified by this so hopefully when people watch dog valley it's going to take you on a journey of you kind of start out here at a midpoint and then it takes you down on this deep plunge into horrible details of a brutal hate crime and then it, I hope that it pulls people back up at the end with the reaction of his loved ones, his friends um, who knew him, um, so that we can honor Gordon Church for his life. And, and then also even um, learning about his family and the love that his family showed, well, love his, Gordon's family, yeah. but also Michael Archuleta's family. They showed a lot of love to a, you know, he's, their son and their brother is a murderer but they never gave up on him. They they still visit him and call him, and they and they they have unconditional love for their son, even though he did a horrible thing. And so there's there are some messages of hope in there. Yeah. And, and that's kind of those are the things we want people to to take away from this. Wow, I love that, Dave. I think, you know, we wouldn't wish this on anyone. Obviously, it was a horrible, horrible thing. Um, but even through a horrible thing, some good things can come of it. And I think that's what you're ultimately saying. And and I think, yeah, towards the end, you do feel that way towards the end of the documentary where it does bring it back a little bit. And you maybe see uh, the killers even on a, in a different light. Not that it's there's no justification for it, but 
it does make you look at it a little differently, but maybe with a little more compassion uh, on some level. Would you agree with that, that there's partly that happening? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we, we uh, in, in addition to interviewing uh, Michael Archuleta and his family, and you definitely get a lot of compassion for Michael Archuleta. You watch this documentary and you, your heart goes out to him. You know, the killer, your heart goes out to the killer, which is surprising. I didn't think I could feel that. This guy brutally mm-hmm. murdered somebody. You should, you know, I'm, my, old, my old brain would have thought, we got to you know, give him the electric chair and let's have no compassion towards him at all. But you have compassion towards a person yeah. um, b- because of what his, you know, what his mother and his sister, when you hear what, how they talk about it, you, you can't help but have some compassion for him and his situation when you learn about how he grew up. And I'm not, I'm not making any excuse for the way someone grew up, you know, what kind of hard things you had, that doesn't give you license to go do something, you know, go murder right. somebody. You never have yeah. that, but you at least get some understanding. And then with Lance Wood, he's the other person involved in this crime. You, we actually were able to interview him because he's not on death, death row. He, he didn't get a life, uh, a death sentence. He's on, uh, what is it? He's got a life sentence basically. And so he's, yeah. he was in a situation where he was willing to talk and he was willing to be interviewed yeah. on camera. And we did, get his uh, perspective of things and you develop a, a different attitude towards him because he he talked a lot and he, yeah and the more he talked the more you realize i don't like this guy yeah <laughs> and he becomes a you know a main character in the documentary For and, sure. and some crazy stuff happens in his life later later in the documentary you find out some things that he's been doing while he's in jail and we'll let you watch the documentary to find out what happens to him. <laughs> yeah. And that was kind of surprising to yeah. me when I saw and heard those things. I was like, yeah, Whoa. So yeah, we'll, and, and I'm telling you folks, I, I really mean this and I'm not just saying this. Um, it is really w- worth the watch. Um, dog Valley. Um, it's very well done and it really does share a, a powerful story. And boy, I'm telling you, it messes with your emotions a little bit, you're, you're back and forth and this and that. But I like that because I think that's what true crime, you know, documentaries do is they, they take you through this kind of a roller coaster ride of how this all went down. Um, I have a question, you know, how do, how do you think this is going to, when this comes out, going to affect the LGBTQ community and, and what do you think the response might be? And, you know, and, and maybe your thoughts on what you would tell them. Um, that's a good question. Um, well, we didn't seek when we started this project. I wasn't thinking, "Oh, this is an LGBTQ themed movie." I mean, it, right. I, I was just like one element of it was that Gordon was gay. I mean, obviously, it's an important element. But as we got into it, um, we realized, yeah, this is a pretty heavy theme in this. And and Chad Anderson, who I mentioned, is one of the producers. He's gay. He came out several years ago and moved to Utah and is raising yeah. his two boys here. And so he's heavily involved in uh, the LGBTQ. Uh, issues and is i don't know if he's really you call him an activist or whatever but yeah. he writes and he sure he's involved in a lot, a lot of uh lgbtq issues i guess you'd say so there's definitely a community of people who are going to be interested in this film and as we've screened it um to groups that are you know heavily gay or lesbian or whatever lgbtq yeah um groups of people they've often thanked us and mm. been brought to tears and um we're, i mean it's it's a t- it's a tough show to watch for anybody but especially yeah. someone in in that community is also it's hard to watch um, in fact our main actor who portrayed gordon in the recreations um joey 
Brinka. Mm-hmm. He is, you know, he's gay and he's from Utah. He grew up in a very similar situation that uh, Gordon grew up in, you know, c- came from an LDS family in a small Utah town and he's kind of living it. And, and it was really hard for him to film some of those scenes, very yeah. emotional to kind of put yourself in the situation of a, of someone that is, you know, supposedly a different character, but it's also not far from his, his personal life situation at the yeah, time anyway. Wow. So it was very tough filming, especially sure. we, and, and the interesting thing about where we filmed those recreations is we didn't, go find a place that looked kind of like the area where it happened. We actually went to the locations where these crimes happened, where these crimes happened. And so yeah. we were filming right at the site and you could feel the the eeriness while we're yeah. filming. And wow. so we went to Dog Valley and we went to Cedar Canyon and in the, in the, literally within feet of where this may have happened. Yeah. And so, well, you can feel it when you watch it <laughs> at yeah. the same time. So you really, that does come across uh, when you're, when you're watching it, you feel that. Yeah. You know, wow, that is amazing. Well, and I and I love that you you know you you're reaching out to that community because again you know obviously it's going to affect them maybe a little differently than the you know people who aren't you know maybe lesbian or gay but but I I know that's not originally why you even took it on it's just like hey here's a story but I think it's good too to to you know even though Gordon Church had to go through something so horrific this tragedy can do a lot of good and it's you you mentioned how it kind of helps shape maybe some of legislation in utah can you talk a little bit about that or you know maybe some things that have come from that that's helped it yeah i mean a couple years ago um there was uh, a new as sb 103 a state bill or senate bill 103 it was some hate crimes legislation that was passed in utah which was basically a stronger version of some earlier attempts at hate crimes legislation in utah Mm -hmm. where I guess there was kind of some earlier versions that were, uh, what do you call it, proposed. I'm, I'm not a legal person. I don't know the words. But <laughs> when you present yeah. a bill and you yeah. d- discuss it and vote it, I'm not sure what that term is. But um, they've tried in the past, but nothing really stuck that was of any uh, major effect. But in 2018, they did finally, in the state of Utah, did pass some heavier hate crimes legislation. So back in... 1988 when this happened there was no real effective hate crimes legislation to okay. apply towards this right and so they just kind of went through the regular laws at the time but since that time utah has discussed it debated it and they have agreed to you know update their hate crimes legislation um to where now it's it's a pretty decent you know most most people are happy with this uh sb 103 where it's at yeah yeah well, again, again, out of tragedy, some good can happen. And again, you know, this documentary already, you know, on some level, even though Gordon had to go through some horrific, I really do think a lot of good's going to come of this. And I think it's just impressive, Dave, that you were willing to take this project on. And again, how well it is done. And, and you can obviously tell you put a lot of your, you do this with everything you do with your work, but your heart and passions definitely, you know, you can feel that coming through, you know, when you watch it. Thank you. Thanks for, uh, thanks for letting me talk about it. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> yeah. so why don't we talk about when's it going to be released and when it is released? How can people find it? What's the best way to do this? And you know, and that way we can maybe direct people to to where to find, where to go. Sure. So the broad release date is October first, when it'll be available on like Apple TV and iTunes and most um, video on demand things. If you've got you know Dish Network or 
Comcast or whatever your cable provider is, most of them have some kind of streaming or video on demand. So it'll be on Amazon as well. Okay. Um, so yeah, if you just Google or search for Dog Valley, you should be able to find it. And so are you what? So on October first, are you doing any type of uh, you know promotions at that time that maybe people can be a part of? Are you guys doing any kind of? You know, I don't. I don't. You, you wouldn't call it like a party or anything, but what you know what I'm talking about, like a a screening where people can come and kind of a grand opening, I guess. Yeah, I wish we were. I, I, I know originally when we, you know, Gravitas Ventures is our dis- distribution company. They're based out of Cleveland, and they're distributing okay. the film. And originally we had talked about having a theatrical release. We uh, have, um, okay. um, but right now I think they've scaled that back because, you know, COVID is one issue. And, okay. and, and so I, they're, they're hesitant about doing that. When, originally when we were talking to them, it was, you know, several months ago when COVID was even, you know, back when COVID was more of a thing. And so they, okay. so we're, we're not doing a traditional theatrical release at gotcha. the moment. Okay. Um, they're just kind of going right to, right to, you know, streaming and on demand kind of a, gotcha. a release at the okay. moment. We really wish we could have done that. We had big plans for that, but um, I, I just don't think it's in the cards okay. this fall. Like we were, we were hoping. Gotcha. No, that makes sense, and I understand that. And, but I'm glad we're doing this interview with you, Dave, and in what you're doing. And uh, you know, let's we'll try to get the word out as to many people as we can. And again, like I said, I mean, it, I'm telling you, it is worth the watch because it really does take you through, you know, this whole thing in a way that it captivates you. Um, it's hard to watch it sometimes, not not because it's not good, but just more of the emotional part of it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and um, so. Is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap this up, like about you know what you're doing and about Dog Valley or any other things that you might be working on that you'd like to share? Um, yeah, I'd just like to say, first of all, thanks for letting me come on and talk talk to me. Uh, Absolutely, let me talk to you about this this documentary. We think it's an important film that um, can benefit a lot of people and help a lot of mm-hmm. uh, different groups uh, by watching it. And and so, thanks for letting us come on and talk about that. And I also just want to thank you and congratulate you on everything you're doing with your podcast. I think it's amazing that you're getting up to such a viewership and I appreciate all the work you do ever, you know, ever since Sly Dog, you know, (laughs) back in the day, all your anti-drug stuff you've been doing Mm -hmm. over the years is such a valuable thing. And I just really respect you for um, helping so many people in, in, you know, not just with addiction, but any kind of mental health issues, all the, the, guidance and coaching and advice and mentorship i mean i just really appreciate everything you do and i really i'm really proud of you oh, i man. feel like i'm your dad I should... <laughs> well that means a lot son, coming you've, from you, you've, yeah you've, you've done a good job son so keep up the great work <laughs> no that means a lot coming from you dave and uh, the feelings mutual i love i love how you carry yourself and the way yeah. you you know raise your family your, your family's amazing and you're amazing and just grateful to rub shoulders with you and I'm grateful that every now and then I get a, you know, come and audition for a commercial. <laughs> I don't usually make it, but I get I, I get a shot every now and then. That's uh, right. But I do appreciate that. That's right. But uh, I'm going to ask you another question here, before, you know, as we wrap this up. If there's someone listening to you right now, Dave, and, you know, what, you know, that might be just struggling, they're in a dark place or they're just having a rough time, what's some advice that you may be able to give them right now? Um. 
Well, advice. I'm sitting here in your studio, and there's advice all over the place. You know, I'm looking at pictures that say mindset is everything, and the most delightful surprise in life is to suddenly recognize there is nothing wrong with you, and just be it. I'm looking at all your slogans and the sayings that I've heard you say, and the yeah. positive, positive messages and positive vibes you've you give out mm. in life. And I just really believe everything you're saying in, in your work. And I would just kind of echo some of that. And as it relates mm, to Dog you. Valley and, and the stuff that I've been doing, yeah. I think, well, just the name of your podcast, Belief Cast, you got to believe, you got to believe in yourself and believe in God, believe in other yeah. people, believe that things are going to get better. And this, just like this film, like I was talking earlier, it starts out on a downward trend. Yeah. Okay. You feel like you're going into a dark hole when you start watching this film because you're learning about some crazy bad stuff that happens. Yeah. But you got to know that it, it turns around and things yeah. get better at the end yeah. where you feel unconditional love from the people involved. And, and that's how life is. Sometimes you start out and sometimes you're, you feel like you're going into a black hole, but it doesn't last forever. And you yeah. have to believe that it's going to get better and keep fighting through and it will get better. And I guess that's kind of the, yeah. the advice I would give people who are struggling with something is if you have positive thoughts and you believe and whether you believe in God or not, but if you, um, if you believe in yourself, you know, yeah. believe things are going to get better. Things are going to get better. And they usually do. I found that in my own life. I've had, so, you know, yeah. not major struggles. We haven't had a handful here and there, but I've had a few dark days, but generally things turn around and, and life gets better and life's great right now. I'm really, really happy to be here. Love it, man. Very well said. <laughs> yeah. Seriously. I echo those words. So thank you. And that's fantastic. Thank you for taking the time. This was cool. It was good to sit down with you and get to know a little bit about your childhood and then obviously this big project you're doing and I hope people will tune in and um, if people want to reach out to you, you know, and, and find out more about Avalanche Studios and maybe, you know, ask you a question or what would be the best way for someone to do that? Um, yeah, you can go to our website, avalanchestudios.com. It's avalanche-studios.com and you can track us down there. Or if you want to learn more about Dog Valley, you can go to our, the website for that, which is dogvalleymovie.com. Okay. Um, also go on Facebook. You can find uh, the Facebook page, which has, you know, current information. We better update it. So it is current, <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, go to, you can find Dog Valley on Facebook okay. at Dog Valley. I don't know, Facebook dot Dog Valley, whatever it is. Just right. Google it. And maybe you can find it. <laughs> yeah, it'll be there. Um, cool. But yeah, feel free to reach out. I'd be happy to talk to yeah. us. We have a lot of people who find us and or have heard about the film and they they email us or call us and say, yeah. Hey, I heard about this movie. How can we find it? And we've, you know, had to always tell them we got to wait for a little bit, but now we're, finally able to let them know that it's being released and they can find it and yeah. come and, and, and watch it. It's exciting, man. Again, um, thank you for taking on that project and honoring Gordon Church's life and, and, and you know, bringing awareness around all this. I think it's only good's going to come of this. So I'm so glad you did that. And again, thank you for taking the time. Yeah, this thanks. This has been awesome. All right, thanks a lot. Yeah. Go Bengals. Go Bengals, yeah. Bride and Bengals, baby. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Um, I told you this was going to be great. Please check out Dog Valley. October 1st is the release date. It'll be on all the video streaming outlets. Please check it out. And also reach out to Dave if you have a question or if you want to know more about what he does at Avalanche Studios. And, you know, if you might need some of his services, please check him out and, and reach out to him. He's a great guy. And uh, he can he can help you out for sure. And again, thanks to our sponsors. I love you guys. And again, everyone that just lis you know listen to this, please share this with other people. Share this with uh, anyone that you may know that would be interested in this. And love you guys. And until next time.
Thanks again, Dave. See you.